Hey everyone, I'm Jeremy Surreal, CTO at Customer. Listen to how we've improved developer velocity and scaled to millions of messages per day by switching to MongoDB. You know, one of the things we liked about it was that we could work fast, we could build software, leverage MongoDB, and then know, be confident that when we needed to scale in the future, we would have that tool in our toolbox. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, Jeremy Suriel, CTO and co-founder of Customer. It's Customer with a K. Customer is an omni-channel SaaS CRM platform that reimagines enterprise customer service, delivers standout experiences, and it's built with intelligent automation using AI and ML, and of course, MongoDB. It's a great discussion with Jeremy to learn how Customer was built, a little bit about Jeremy's journey. Stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, Jeremy, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to get to talk to you. Before we begin, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Let folks know who you are and what it is that you do. Sure. So, and by the way, to, to start off, thank you for inviting me to do this podcast. It was, oh, it's my pleasure. Again, I'm Jeremy Suriel. I'm the co-founder and CTO at Customer. And obviously, as a co-founder, I've been here since day one. and uh, been a part of building some of the techn technology that we use today and the product that we use today. And, you know, since we've grown, I spend a lot of time with the engineering team I'm in the product. I'm in, uh, continuing to build out the technology, continuing to help on architecture, think about our infrastructure, how we scale the team, how we scale the application, how we stay innovative and uh, relevant in the market, all of the above. And so for folks that are not familiar, it's customer with a K and, mm -hmm. and tell folks what, what does customer do? In a nutshell, we're a CRM platform for customer service. So, you know, that's a lot, right? The elevator pitches this and basically we believe organizations can actually know everything about their customers. And we do this simply by making our product smart and simple, you know, really want to remove the barriers between a customer that has a need and the actual solution to that need. So we've built a platform that has omni-channel conversations. We leverage AI ML to surface actionable insights. And we let customers customize everything from the data model, business logic, conversation flows, and presentation. Who's your primary customer? Who are your target customers? We do a lot of business with e-commerce, um, D2C, so direct-to-consumer type companies. We've, we initially started out sort of in the lower end, but we had a lot of success with some of the larger players. So, you know, we have customers like ring.com as an example, which is Amazon. You know, we have a lot of interesting players, mostly in that space, mostly with e-commerce and D2C. Although there's nothing specific to that, that, you know, that, you know, it could be, it really can be any, any industry. How long has customer been around? How long have you been doing this? So we've been around since 2015. Brad and I, so Brad is my co-founder and CEO. Uh, we've been doing, we've been in this space for over 20 years, but specifically focused on customer for the last six. And like you said, you were responsible for, for building out the product initially? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Brad and I were, uh, we're very technical, we're product people, we're, you know, engineers. So, you know, from day one, we actually basically split up the work, you know, we were planning to just build this thing out for, you know, six months plus and uh, just heads down and 
before we raise the dollar. Um, so we, you know, we split things up and, you know, I focus more on the back end. He focused on the front end. I guess it's a good thing, but we were able to really quickly raise, raise money. And we just, uh, it, you know, sped up our hiring, but we, we stayed in the, you know, on the back end, we stayed building product for a long time, even after we started hiring. So, you know, and, and I think, by the way, engineers really love that, you know, our experience is engineers like to be part of a, a company that's, you know, where their founders care about. The, the technical detail, they care about the product, right? And so, you know, I've, I've received a lot of feedback from engineers, you know, during the hiring process that, you know, they, they love the fact that we're still in the code. I'm curious about that transition though. Um, as someone who was focused on building product and writing software, talk about the, the transition from that to, to a leadership position. I've, I've done startups for most of my life, right? And so I guess I'm, I'm used to this situation where, you know, you just solve problems. You fill you 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 fill gaps. You know, you find solutions to the biggest problems, right? And so, you know, for me, it's a it was a very natural. Yes, I love I love technology. I love building software. But as we're scaling the business, the business needed me to be in different places, right? And that and that's great. And and I love being able to do that. Right? I think that's what makes the job exciting, right? Is you know, you don't know what you're going to get during a day, right? You're going to be maybe <laughs> pitching a VC. Maybe you're, you know, explaining the product to some end customer um, or you're actually writing, you're fixing a bug. <laughs> so, you know, I think uh, I, I love all of that, right? I think it's a, it's really fun. That's really what excites me about being an entrepreneur and, you know, start building a startup is uh, being able to do all of those things. So I want to talk a little bit about the product that you built and how much has the product changed itself? Let's talk a little bit about how it was written to begin with, and then maybe talk about some of the changes that have you've undergone. Yeah, sure. I think, uh, you know, we, we've had the, we've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time in this space and, you know, I've built a number, been a part of a number of startups in the past and you know, in this customer service space and, you know, seeing what works, what, what hasn't worked, heard a lot from small, medium, large customers on what was missing, right? Saw, you know, the impact that an architecture would have on a growing team over time, whether it was a monolithic application or, you know, maybe certain levels of automation. And, you know, when we started customer, we wanted to obviously like you would do anything new, right? Is learn from the past, right? If you're ever maybe, I don't know, move to a new house or you're building a house, you're probably going to, you know exactly what you're not going to do, what you will do. So similarly, we wanted to take all the great things out there, all the great technology out there, leverage as much as we can and avoid all the mistakes and use all the cool new stuff, manage services, tech that we could to move fast, right? As, as any startup needs, you need to be able to move fast, hire quickly. And so, you know, we built the, the, the system from the ground up with those things in mind, right? So, you know, we had a lot of experience with AWS Cloud. That was an, you know, a no-brainer for us. We had a lot of experience with different database platforms. Some of the pitfalls of those platforms, whether they be relational databases that over time, when you had billions of records in a, in a table, and you needed to make a change, that was a big problem, right? And so we, we knew going, you know, going into this that 
from a technology perspective, we're going to need something a little bit more flexible than that, right? We don't want to slow down when we know we're going to need to make changes over time. Or let's say our use case needed to allow that flexibility, right? You know, we, we built it from the ground up, microservice-based architecture, leveraging container services. Again, MongoDB was a big part of this, the, the technology decision. JavaScript and Node, we looked out and, and saw some of the trends going on. And so JavaScript and Node.js, React.js, these things were all trending and still very much doing pretty well today. You need to think about hiring, the technologies you choose, they need to sort of like work well together. They need to be able to support what you're trying to build. I think we did a pretty good job there, right? To this, so we haven't really changed much architecturally. We've made a lot of improvements to automation. You know, initially we didn't use Terraform. Now, every, all our all of our infrastructure is Terraform based. You know, we used to self-host MongoDB, and now we use MongoDB Atlas. And so, you know, we just continually improve things. There's always improvements to make. You know, I, I would say like from on the foundation, we did we did a lot of made a lot of right decisions. And, you know, you, you always, you can't, you can't, there's no crystal ball. There's always things you could do better, but for the most part, I think we made the right decision. So, so really sort of stay the same. I mean, with respect to MongoDB, you know, one of the best practices sort of leading as, as much as you can on the sharding, you know, one of the things we liked about it was that we could work fast, we could build software, leverage MongoDB, and then know, be confident that when we needed to scale in the future, we would have that tool in our toolbox if we needed to, right? So only until recently have we started actually sharding some collections. So flexibility, uh, scalability, obviously high availability was, was a key factor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we, we, we use the word trust, you know, to mean brand trust and scalability, security, reliability, availability These are all parts of trust. And from day one, we spent a lot of time thinking about that, whether it's, guaranteed message delivery. You know, we run all of our systems, including our databases across multiple availability zones. Um, so yeah, availability is, is, is critical. And you mentioned you started out with MongoDB on-premise. Um, have you transitioned to an, a, a service-based or a managed service-based? Yes, yeah. So yeah, we started out with uh, on-premise. I, I think it was before Atlas was around. I guess we had the uh, commercial enterprise license and it was great, you know, it ran really well. We set up, a, it was a single cluster, you know, on our one production environment at the time. It was great, you know, it worked well. And, you know, periodically, you know, as you're starting out, you're, you don't have as many customers, you know, it's, it's, it's not as, as uh, difficult, let's say to manage, maybe starting out immediately. You know, we, we developers would run MongoDB services locally. So we didn't really need to worry about spinning up, you know, dev environments in the cloud at that point, you know, we had a small testing infrastructure, non-production infrastructure. So, so yeah, you know, it was fine. It was great. We had, we had a self-hosted model and it did the job. Um, you know, every once in a while we had to manage things and, 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 you know, spend some time, you know, making short scale. But as we were growing, obviously that became a bigger concern, right? Um, you know, we started hitting or approaching, what I would say, approaching limits or thresholds that required us to spend more time and to give it some more thought. So uh, that's that's sort of when Atlas really became something we took a serious look at. 
and so a lot of advantages from a velocity perspective. Are you comfortable talking about the numbers? Like how how big is your your implementation today? And and maybe use terms like transactions or events rather than you know customers if you're comfortable with that. In terms of of documents, we process I would say you know hundreds of millions of documents per day, right? And so a document for us might be anything from like an event, like a customer was updated or a conversation with was updated um, to an actual customer itself uh, or customer record or, or conversation record or a message record. So, you know, the, I'd say in the orders of hundreds of millions of those documents each day being processed. So looking back at your, your journey, were there any pitfalls or anything you would have done differently? Yeah, I think... Uh... <laughs> There's always like little things that, you know, if I feel like if, if, if you don't, if you, if you ever looked at code six months later or your architecture six months later and you're like, everything's good, you're probably not learning. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this, this things I could see us doing differently. Just small little things, right? Like things like our, our, our unique identifiers, right? I mean, it's, it's, that's actually one of the benefits of MongoDB is having, you know, sort of these globally unique identifiers. And we were very happy to start being able to have that natively uh, with the database platform we're using, unlike some of the other more traditional relational databases. But, you know, it would have been great if we did some additional things to uh, maybe make the application lookups and know which type of object it was within our own ID scheme, you know, added, added to that. I, th I think that's sort of one little minor thing, um, you know, tracking some some in, some interesting tracking that would have been a lot easier if we had done it earlier. Um, you know, internal metrics on some of the data. I think you know it would have been a lot easier uh, from a from a a cost perspective or uh, you know being able to charge usage based pricing that sort of type type of thing. Um, but I think for the most part, back on wood, we feel pretty good. <laughs> we feel pretty good about what we've what we've built and how we've built it. So, you know, a lot of the things that we're, when we're making changes, many times are, were expected things, right? Were anticipated. Um, we anticipated having to shard our database. We anticipated having to split some collections out into their own, their own database clusters, right? So we, we anticipated a lot of things. We, we knew maybe, you know, over time, much like we do today, I can say things that maybe Atlas doesn't have today that we anticipate will happen in the future. And we can, we're looking forward to seeing those things so we can take advantage of it, right? So I think there's a lot of that happening where, you know, less what I would call like a mistake and more, um, okay, it's time to pay that, that debt or it's time to go and do this thing that we knew we were gonna need to do at some point. So you're using MongoDB Atlas today what other features in the, the Atlas platform are you leveraging? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're using, uh, you know, I think we have like you know, sort of a basic implementation of MongoDB Atlas for the most part. You know, there's, we have multiple projects in our production environment with what we call pods, point of deployments. So there's, there's actually two pods, primary pods in production today. Um, each pod will have multiple clusters multiple Atlas clusters in them. And each cluster is sort of your, your, your typical cluster, at least up until recently, was sort of your typical three node cluster. And recently we've started sharding a few of our collections. 
Um, in terms of Atlas functionality, we've taken, you know, historically, I mean, we leveraged the ability to spin up clusters from a backup. That's been amazing. Really cool functionality that saved us a boatload of time. It's definitely not something that we built tools around and it was just super easy and quick to do from the interface. Um, there's been many times where, let's say, there's an index missing or some bad query, whatever. And we're very, we can use the perform, real-time performance tools built into Atlas console to quickly find the culprit, stop it if we want immediately and know exactly how to fix it. You know, exactly, give, basically give us sort of the, 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 the target of where we need to look in the code and how to fix it. So, you know, things like that. Um, we use the cloud provider storage, uh, you know, backup solution, uh, basic, you know, some of the basic stuff, but big time savers, right? The, the index rolling, so the ability to create a new index and it automatically starts applying to secondaries and flips to primary. These are things we did not build tooling around, you know, for a self-hosted model, we would have had to. Uh, so it was nice to have just baked in. Um, and then just basic things like when we're creating the cluster, hey, we can have disk storage scaling. We could do cluster tiered scaling. I mean, I just don't even know how we would do that <laughs> uh, if we were doing it ourselves, right? So, you know, that, that I don't know, yeah, that would be a big investment of tooling for us, I think, if we were to, to try to build that. So just basic things like that to, to have access to right in the beginning of building a cluster. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've, you've had experience in this space before. Um, were you a part of a, another startup that launched a, a similar service or, or something in the same space? Yeah, I mean, we were part, we, Brad and I were co-founders of a previous startup called Assisly that was in the space. You know, it was, uh, you know, we don't really think of ourselves as another Assisly. I mean, it's very different what we're trying to do now, how we bring, have a platform with customization of data and timelines, et cetera. But it's, an, it's a very, it's a similar, uh, similar space. So, so yeah, we've, we've, We've definitely we have experience sort of tackling a similar problem with different technology. So I, I did have the great pleasure to speak with a consulting engineer here at MongoDB, and he talked about all of the the amazing things that he gets to see in terms of you know problem solving and uh, and training and teaching folks. Were you able to leverage the professional services team as a part of your migration? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the things I mentioned recently was uh, the sharding initiative. Um, and so we, we, we tapped into the professional services uh, and consulting services team. And, you know, we, there was a point where they came in, um, they spent, you know, multiple days with our team. Uh, we were able to just go through different questions. They took a look at our, our, our database, our schema, and and really we were we were focused on things like sharding strategies, archiving strategies. Obviously, if there's any quick quick wins, anything that they noticed, um, and it was it was amazing, right? It was amazing for many reasons. Obviously, to think we can get a lot of benefits out of getting their expertise. It was just great from a team perspective to be able to have uh, the team be able to interface with those folks and ask them questions. I think it was just great from that perspective as well. So. Yeah, all around great experience. Uh, we've we've leveraged that service twice now. So you mentioned microservices. You mentioned Node.js. 
what other tools are you leveraging as a part of the application architecture? Yeah, I think, uh, look, so we're uh, heavy uh, into Docker containerization. So that allows us to, to move pretty fast uh, in terms of tooling and automatic deployment, testing, making sure you, know, you're, you can you know, mimic the environments locally as they are in production. We are we're using Elasticsearch for a number of, uh, of, of search-related use cases, uh, basic searching within the application for different uh, user personas, analytics, logging internally, Elk. So, you know, Elasticsearch for a lot of things, stream and PubSub event processing. So, you know, I mentioned those event documents, our entire backend is event-based. So we're constantly publishing events for everything that happens in the system. And then you, you have worker containers that might be subscribed to those events to do different things. Um, we also have streamings, leverage Kinesis streams uh, to be able to do bulk processing. Um, yeah, so lots of different technologies all over the place <laughs> to solve different problems. Yeah, and it, it sounds like a, a great mix of technologies, like a, a really great uh, group of frameworks put together. Um, I imagine, is it is it difficult to find individuals that have the expertise that you need? Yeah, we primarily look for, um, depending on the role, you know, if, if it's front end, you know, maybe looking specifically at someone with React experience. Uh, if it's back end, you know, we're ideally looking for folks with Node.js experience in production, right? Now, most of the times it's, it's um, we, we don't expect people to have experience with everything within our stack, right? So, you know, we look for smart people who love what we're doing, who want to be part of what we're doing and have some level of experience with our backend technologies. Not, not, we don't really, we never really find any, anyone that has everything. Um, every once in a while, you'll come off, you'll come across folks with like a very, you know, a, a high ratio of matching technologies that they have experience with. But most of the time we don't. So, you know, really just looking for smart people who have some level of experience with it, who are into what we're doing. Mm. And can I assume that you are hiring? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> where, where would people go to find more information? Yeah, it's customer.com slash careers. And there's an engineering sec section on the top left. We have all the open roles, you know, everything from engineering managers, um, looking for data engineers senior software engineers. Um, yes, we are hiring. Okay, great. Well, we'll get the word out there. And, and if you're listening, make sure you check the show notes. I'll include links there. So any advice for, uh, for folks that are considering launching uh, a product in, well, maybe not the same space, but uh, launching a, a startup? Um, any, any learnings you'd like to share? Look, just at a high level, you know, obviously you're going to need to move fast. You're going to need to hire people, right? Company is all about the people. And so, you know, specific to technology, whatever technologies you do choose, I think a major factor is going to be your ability to hire and the, the people you hire's ability to use those technologies in addition to how those technologies solve your problems, right? So it's definitely a number of things that need to come together um, when thinking about the technologies you're using and you know whatever it is that you're building ideally you'll probably want to spend as much time 
on those problems and less time on plumbing. So unless you need to own every single aspect of managing any service, whether it be MongoDB or Elasticsearch or Redis or anything, question whether you should be using a managed service for that because you can gain a lot of velocity by leveraging those things that exist today, right? Whether it's because there's experts there who know exactly how to manage it, whether it's because there's a lot of tooling already available off the shelf that they are exposing for you to, to make that management a lot easier. Maybe it's setting up development and testing environments. Maybe they're more, they've handled things like security or making things like alerting and monitoring easier. So these are all things you're gonna have to solve. So spend more time solving your actual business problem, less time on those things. That's great advice. Well, Jeremy, I wanna thank you for taking the time to, to chat with me. Any uh, any final words you'd like to share before we wrap? Um, no, I just, <laughs> look, I, I appreciate uh, being on the podcast. I, I love uh, MongoDB, I've used it for a while. You know, it's been great. I think it's a big part of our success as a, as a business, as a product. I'm looking forward to continuing to, to, to use it. So again, I appreciate the, you know, being a part of this. Well, thanks again. Thanks so much to Jeremy for joining us today. Learned a great deal about the customer platform. If you want to learn more, visit customer, that's customer with a K, customer.com. You can also find out more about the career opportunities available at customer by visiting customer.com slash careers. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure you subscribe, like, share the episode, and consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. You can uh, give us a, a star rating and provide some feedback to let us know how we're doing and what you'd like to hear. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.